0: Welcome to our Think Kingdom podcast. This week, Resident Pastor Ramon finishes our series, Disruptive Witness. Let's hear what God's Word has for us from Resident Pastor Ramon Belagamba. I'm
1: going to ask y'all to please turn to uh, Jonah 4. As you turn there, um, I ask that um, y'all stand for the reading of God's Word, please, if you're able. Hear the Word of the Lord. So Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now Lord, take my life from me for it's better for me to die than to live. The Lord asks, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in the shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant And it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant when dawn came the next day. God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it's right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. But may may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals. That was the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this morning, I'm going to preach our last message in this disruptive You may be seated. Disruptive um, Witness Series is entitled, Our Vulnerability, Our Witness. Our Vulnerability, Our Witness. So let me go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Father, um, so grateful that we can learn from you, um, that we can learn um, how to live rightly um, today because of your word. Um, and how, Holy Spirit, this morning, I need your help. Um, this is a weighty message this morning, um, as it is every every week, but even weightier this morning. So please, Holy Spirit, I pray for your help uh, to help me proclaim your truth um, to your people um, for their good and your glory and our witness. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in his holy name, amen. Amen. So, Before any surgeon operates on an individual, there are two things that we as presumed patients need to hear. Uh, We need to know, we need to know firstly, as the surgeon looks at um, our body, is his examination of of our parts. And before a surgeon works on us, we need to hear um, from the x-rays, what's going on in our bodies? I I don't know about you, but I wouldn't allow a surgeon to operate on me without examining me, whether physically or looking at x-rays. Because on the outside, sometimes things may look good, but actually what's going on inside the body may tell us something else. So that's why x-rays must be performed so that the surgeon can really see what's going on before they cut us open. So with these x-rays, they could develop a surgical plan and hope to get the patient back healthy. And in our lives, a healthy spiritual heart requires surgery. And for this kind of surgery, there is actually only one divine surgeon who can get us right. He's the only one who has the right surgical plan. And I say this because there's only one surgeon who can properly examine and see what's going on inside a man's spiritual heart. So we've been journeying these last few weeks And we know something is wrong with Jonah's heart. And today, the divine surgeon is gonna let us know what's Jonah's problem, and why that this cause of his disrupting witness. So by us looking at Jonah today, it's my hope that God works on our hearts today as well. That we can uncover what's going on in our hearts, that can limit us from being the disruptive witnesses in our world that God is calling us to be. But the reality of it is, we can't uncover what is going on without our divine surgeon revealing to us what's really going on in our hearts. As we need him to perform a spiritual examination on us. And from that, we we can learn that God reveals The sin of our hearts for our good and our witness. That God reveals the sin of our hearts for our good and our witness. And it's only with God's exposure of our hearts that we can learn and grow. That is, if we confess our sin, turn from it, and return to God's will for us. I believe we want to continue growing so that we can go and be his his disruptive witnesses. So today we meet Jonah and we meet him post his witnessing to the city of Nineveh. He has completed his commission from God. And by the mercy of God, one of the most wicked cities in the world at that time has been saved from judgment. But sadly, in what should be a time of celebration and praise for God and what he has done, we see that our God Jonah has decided to throw himself a pity party. And we find out this is the case because Jonah's hidden sin consumes his heart. So you think about it, over 120,000 people turn from sin to Israel's God and Israel's prophet is big mad. Rather than praising God for his saving actions, of the people of one of the world's greatest cities and being used as an instrument of redemption, all we see is Jonah and his feelings. So fury rather than rejoicing is the attitude of the heart of Jonah. And we learn quickly that mercy and grace, they don't penetrate a murderous heart. And there's a reason Jesus spoke about the connection of anger and the heart in the Sermon of the Mount. And let us, let's, let's look at Matthew 5, 21 to 22. As Jesus said, you have heard that was said to our ancestors, do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I feel you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to the court. Whoever says you fool will be subject to hellfire. So Jonah wanted nothing but hellfire for the Ninevites. His anger repeatedly burned for the death of his enemies. He was all about what he saw as justice and he couldn't even celebrate the joy of their repentance. It's a common characteristic when folks get angry with others is they start speaking out of their mind. So in verses two and three, we see Jonah speaking out of his mind to God in his prayer. He lets out the motives of his original sin to be known. And he blames God for his unchanging good character. And then he says, literally, he says, kill me so please family how do how do we get here? How do we get to this point with Jonah that he 's back saying, "God, just kill me." What we realize is that Jonah goes zero to a hundred real quick, and it doesn 't take him long to get very angry, so when a person is is consumed by anger, they are literally blinded to their sin, and they can only see the offending party is their biggest problem. So for Jonah to see, he would need to put on the contact lenses of compassion. But unfortunately, Jonah is, he's unable to do this. And he's unable to do this because the fountain of his anger is his own self-righteousness. And self-righteousness and how we are viewing it in our context today Is seeing oneself as morally superior than than others. Or you just think that you're better than someone else. This is how Jonah views himself in relation to the Ninevites. He believes it's not fair that the Ninevites have received God's mercy and continued life. His pride is hurt that God has allowed his enemies to live. And he didn't choose to be on his side. To some degree, Jonah has also felt that mercy had to be deserved. And at the Ninevites, they didn't deserve such mercy. And there is no better illustration of Jonah's sin consuming his heart and his self-righteousness than the elder brother in the parable of the prodigal son. (laughs) So the elder brother, like Jonah, has a few things in common. So firstly, that he can't rejoice at the salvation of anybody else. He can't rejoice at the salvation of his younger brother. He instead felt pity. He was angry of the salvation of his brother like Jonah was angry of the salvation of the Ninevites because he thought that he was morally superior to his brother. And literally, the elder brother couldn't stand to be in the place of the celebration of salvation. He literally said, I got to be outside of the party. And lastly, you see between Jonah and the elder brother and the prodigal son, that both of them felt mercy had to be deserved. So Jonah is literally struggling in what seems to be a contradiction between the justice of God and the love of God. And since Jonah decides that he wants to be for God, he sees his only response to his problem is that he has to end his life. And that his consuming anger towards the Ninevites has only turned inward to Jonah wanting to murder himself. So throughout four weeks with Jonah, we have seen so much of how life and death has become such a constant theme. So opening our time in Jonah and closing our time in this book, we sadly see Jonah wanting to end his life. And this time in this last chapter, we actually see it three times, where in the first, it was only, it was only, one, it was only twice that we saw it. So, the, so what we're learning is that the idol of power is something that is huge for Jonah. And we see that control is what he worships. He tries to exercise control when we met Jonah as he tried to run away in chapter one from being a witness to God. Now we see Jonah resign to seeing his powerlessness with his enemies receiving God's mercy. When our idol of power is taken from us, we can resign to to anger and hopelessness like we see with Jonah. Sadly, we see how anger can quickly turn to hopelessness, to suicidal thoughts or threats. And this is something that we must not overlook in our time with Jonah. Our emotional and mental health is important to God. He is so patient with Jonah during this time. Jonah mentions, as I already said, three times that he wants to end his life. And beloved, this honestly has to be encouraging to us. That even through our challenges, God is gracious with us every step of the way. Jonah didn't know what was right for him. But God did. He met him in a sin. And we see God bringing him back to light. And Jonah's hidden sin has literally consumed him this whole time we've been walking with him. And this is why he's been rebelling against God. Now it makes so much sense why he's been a disrupting witness for God. But now we must see how this text speaks into our lives and lets us know that our hidden sin can consume our hearts. At the core of our being, The direction of our hearts determine our worship. Sunday mornings, we can sing, Jesus, you are the king of my heart. And by Sunday afternoon, he is nowhere near the throne of our hearts. This tension is something we must embrace rather than disregard or hide from it. We have over a thousand pages of the Old Testament that tell us since Adam and Eve ate the apple, that misdirected worship is a problem for all of us. Our hearts are built on desire and worship of God. And God is called to be our ultimate desire. And the Bible says that anything besides this is what you call idolatry. And there are literally over a thousand references to idolatry in the scriptures. So mostly it's mentioned in so much of the Old Testament with the nation of Israel. So it's easy for us today to think it's not an issue for us if we're in Christ today. But I have to say very much that it is, unfortunately, an issue for us. And as desiring beings, idol worship will always be a temptation that we'll have to fight as long as we're in the body. And this is because as desiring beings, our hearts so easily turn from God. And it's with these idols, AKA God replacements, that our hearts turn and form the hidden sins in our hearts. As we have seen with Jonah, these hidden sins can actually blind us and consume our hearts. And Jonah's problem in today's text can so easily be our problem as well. There's never a time that we should um, that we should read from scripture and think that we are so far removed from the sin that we read about. And honestly, if we do that, we will only grow in self-righteousness. We'll never grow in humility and we'll never grow in dependence on Jesus. And self, honestly, self-righteousness is something that's hardly talked about in many sermons nowadays. Today's text helps us go there. And honestly, if we, if we as the church don't go there, we won't return to Christ to solve the problems that are within our body right now. Because much of the division in, a, in the church borders along self-righteousness. And it's literally... Bowing to the idol of power has continually been a problem for the church. And in the first few verses of today's text, we see that bowing to the idol of comfort in the remaining verses of our chapter. We see that Jonah only grows in his own self-righteousness. And I'm saying self-righteousness so much because self-righteousness is actually a cancer to our witness. The toxic nature of self-righteousness is a repellent to the gospel for so many. They don't wanna follow Jesus. If they see self-righteousness in the church, they'd be like, oh, that's why, that's why I got church hurt. People thinking they better than me. And if people on the outside are looking at the hypocrisy of the church and the self-righteousness of believers towards them, and they say, I want no parts of Jesus. So for us, as believers, we have to remember that we're called to be the aroma of Christ. But when we walk in a self-righteousness, we can actually smell more like toddler's poo-poo diapers, just being real. So living in healthy community actually allows us to speak into the lives and to help us from not growing into that self-righteousness. So in other words, family, everybody that you see in here, we need each other. We need each other to call out what's going on with us. We have to be honest with ourselves. Because those those hidden sins, they only grow if we have nobody speaking into our lives. So those hidden sins, they can be growing on the tree of the idol of comfort. It could be growing on the tree, of, the tree of security. And these sins generally keep us from seeing our neighbors and our enemies clearly like Jonah. And it's without the contact lens of compassion that the, our love never gets to the people around us. Our hidden sins only consume us and blind us from the brokenness that's happening all around us. Without the contact lens of compassion, our hidden sins will consume our worship and we'll only produce anger and contempt in our hearts. And we'll resemble Jonah and his hatred for the Ninevites. That'll be how we walk around. To find our hidden sins with loving others, we honestly have to ask ourselves the question, whom do I have trouble loving? We all have to ask ourselves, whom do we have trouble loving? And if we're unable to be honest with answering this question, we won't be able to put on the contact lens of compassion. We won't be able to be imitators of Christ as we're called to be. Christ's heart hurt for people. And if we read through the Gospels, we see how much his heart hurt for people. And what we see in our text in Jonah, God's heart hurt for the wicked Ninevites. That's why he sent Jonah. And until our heart hurts for people, a place, and ourselves, we won't embody a disruptive witness. Our idols and our hidden sins will sit on the throne of our hearts, consuming us if we don't repent from them. But there's good news, y'all. We don't have to go about our our repentance with our hidden sins on our own. And we also see in this text, we see God is still working with the prophet Jonah as we see that God reveals the sin in Jonah's heart. So from verses 4 through 11, we see God patiently and graciously reveal to Jonah the sin in His heart. In verse four, the Lord asked to Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry?" And from the narration, it seems as, as Jonah straight didn't answer God's question. As in the next verse, we see that He left Nineveh and just headed east, and that He literally just built a temporary shelter as he was still hopeful. That Nineveh received judgment. He's like, man, I gotta, I, I'm going to go out here. I'm going to build this little shelter. I'm just going to wait on God. He's going to judge them Ninevites, and I'm going to wait on it. That's where Jonah was. But even the shelter that Jonah put together, it wasn't the best housing for Jonah. And the Lord showed him grace yet again by causing a plant to grow over his shelter to provide shade. And to provide a teachable lesson to Jonah and reveal his sinful heart. God caused trouble to to reach Jonah again. We see that in verses seven through eight. As the plant was then attacked by a worm and a scorching east wind that hit Jonah. And think about it. Isn't it always when adversity hits that our faith is tested? And for Jonah... He has failed the test more than once when adversity has hit him. In our time, we've seen the wind obey God two times. We've seen a giant fish obey God. We've seen a plant obey God. A worm obey God. But Jonah is still resigning himself to death when trouble comes. Don't y'all see something wrong with that? Literally, the anger in Jonah's heart keeps him from crying out to the Lord again. And that's how we meet him in chapter one. And that's where we see him again in chapter four. And the thing about it, no matter how much mercy and grace Jonah has received, he literally still wants to act a fool. We at this text, we have to marvel at the patience of God with Jonah, and we have to be so thankful that he continues to be long suffering with us today. So in verse nine, God poses another question about anger to Jonah this time, in reference to the plant that he provided for him. And once again, Jonah is big mad at the wrong thing. And God responds to Jonah to end our text with a literal drop mic response. He exposes the hardness of Jonah's heart and how his hidden sin has consumed him to the point of death that he didn't even care about the death of so many others. His anger was for a plant and he didn't care about people who are made in the image of God in Nineveh. He didn't even care about the animals. And God reveals to Jonah and to us that we cannot desire God's goodness only for ourselves, but refuse to minister His goodness to others who need it. We can't be recipients of God's grace and not be a dispenser of it. He isn't calling us to be reservoirs of His grace, but He's calling us to be rivers. Of his grace. We don't need to store his grace, but let his grace flow out of us to others in our day-to-day lives. And God leaves Jonah with a drop mic response to his foolish answer. He wants to see, he wants Jonah to see himself by revealing his sin to him. He wants Jonah to recognize the ways that he continues to deny God's grace and his mercy. And instead, he chooses to hold on to his own self-righteousness. But the great thing, the good news doesn't end there. As the way the book of Jonah ends calls us to be so grateful that the Holy Spirit reveals the sin in our hearts. So walking faithfully with God in every age is a challenge. And I hope over these last four weeks, we have learned about God's grace and mercy in our lives. The lives of others and especially our enemies. It's been easy for us to point out Jonah's disobedience over the course of this book and how he's failed repeatedly to obey God and was more of a disrupting witness or an anti-witness than a disrupting witness, disruptive witness. But it is my hope today that in this message through the Holy Spirit that it reveals we too could be Jonah so easily. Our disobedience or our self-righteousness might not look exactly like Jonah, but we too could be living life in the flesh rather than living life in the spirit. And our culture is literally forming us every day to become like Jonah with regard to those people over there. The internet, media, and social media literally fragments us by our consumption of it into media bubbles. So advertisements, algorithms, reels, narratives can all entice us to live in the flesh. Just like the world. That we demonize and mock those that we disagree with. And that's acceptable behavior in our current cultural moment. That's just the way it is. But the saddest part is when adults engage in this current behavior. They disciple the youth to engage in exactly the same thing. And we have to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us our sin when we are in tune with the flesh and no longer living in the spirit, in our homes, out in public places with our kids. Sadly, I could say as a, as a former public educator and parent now that a good majority of our school culture in our area is actually pretty cutthroat as the world that we live in. Like more students prefer to mock and destroy the emotional self of their class, classmates for fun rather than to encourage and help one another. And we need God's wisdom to parent well, helping our kids navigate through the challenges of school today. And students, as you're about to start another school year, of unpredictability, remember that Christ is with you in the midst of anything that you have to endure. and He doesn't want your heart to be troubled. So that's why it is so important, family, for us to pray that the Holy Spirit reveals to us the hidden sins in our hearts that are ruling us so that we can repent and grow As the Holy Spirit's revelation for us is is for our good and is for our witness. And beloved, as his children, we could commune with him at any time. And we can't let our sin struggles dictate how much time we spend with him. We shouldn't want to be in a place of gracious discipline like we see Jonah in. We shouldn't desire to be in that place. But our response as citizens of the kingdom, our witness to the world should be shaped by God's merciful character and his compassion for people to respond to the gospel. And if we don't seek to see our world through the contact lenses of compassion, we won't be able to look at those with deeply opposing beliefs and practices with compassion. We will fail to love them. We'll fail to serve them and care for their well-being. And without compassion, we won't share the gospel with people from different walks of life that we are unfamiliar with. We won't, we won't tell them about Jesus. We won't desire it. And we won't long for people we don't love to come into God's kingdom. And we will look like Jonah. So we have to ask ourselves the honest question, are we still more shaped by our comfort, power, security, and approval than we offer God's mercy for others? Are we comfortable with those idols It's literally going to take us relinquishing those idols of power, of comfort, security, and approval to resemble God's compassion for people. We will have to do this, abandoning our self-protection to be a disruptive witness. We got to be vulnerable. People need to, to see who we are. They need to see our brokenness and they need to see our dependence on Christ. We have to be real with people. We have to show them that we have a, we can live our authentic lives pursuing an authentic Christ to be what the world needs to see. And that following Christ is what's what's good for our lives. That following Christ is what's beautiful for our lives. That's what the world needs to see. People are are dealing with so much sadness in the Charlotte metro area. They don't have relationships to go to. They're dealing with loneliness. They're literally, that's literally what they're searching for. I had an opportunity to hear a presentation this week and it looked at what are the top three things that people in the Charlotte metro area are dealing with, are looking for. And the top three Google searches were sadness, relationships, and loneliness. And what could Jesus provide to to people? What could we invite them to? We can invite them to peace, We can invite them to hope. We can invite them to joy. We can invite them to wholeness. That's what we need to be doing, family. We need to be inviting people to Jesus. Saying, come. Come. Come to Jesus. Because literally, one day close to 2,000 years ago, the ultimate disruptive witness into into our world. And in his compassion, he couldn't stay in the realm of heaven and simply just feel bad for us. He came into the world to take on flesh, stepping in our shoes, our condition. He walked among us. And he lived the only perfect life suffering for us and all creation on a rugged cross to the point of his death. So that we could be reconciled back to God's family. And he rose on that third day. So that all things could be made new. Including us and family, so I'm bringing this to a close. It is because of Jesus, who was the greater Jonah, the ultimate disruptive witness that we are called to suffer with others, to weep with them, hurt with them because of his love. He did it for us first the kingdom, our call, our call is to be a people on mission with King Jesus, to become vulnerable in order that we share our love, compassion, and faith with others. That's how we become disruptive witnesses. And we want to become disruptive witnesses and not be disrupting witnesses because we love our neighbors, our classmates, our coworkers, and our family. And that's what they need. And this is what God did in Jesus Christ. And he calls us as his disciples of his kingdom to do today. So I pray that God reveals the sin of our hearts for our good and our witness so that we can be disruptive witnesses where we live where we work and where we play for God's glory and his kingdom
0: that was resident pastor Ramon finishing our series in the book of Jonah disruptive witness if you are blessed by anything you heard on today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.